Last week we had missionaries Sean and Carlina Cislo who were here with us. They're missionaries uh, in the country of Mexico. And I hope you enjoyed the, the reminder that they brought us last week that you know what? Even though we're not all missionaries, we're all called to share in the responsibility of reaching the lost for Christ. And they shared about that. And not only did they share about what God is leading them to do, is they're going to be going into a new city now called Aguas Calientes uh, as they go back. And they're going to continue to train church planners and eventually plant a church of their own. But they challenged us with a few thoughts. And there were a few things that Sean said that really stuck with me in the last week that I just want to bring up again this morning before we get into our word. One of the questions he said was, where, do you, where does your faith need to be stretched today? I think that's a question that we should ask of ourselves each and every day. God, where are you trying to stretch my faith today? Where do I need to be stretched? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to step out of my comfort zone? Because by nature, that's what we do. We get comfortable and we stop wanting to be stretched. We stop wanting to move to different places. But that's not what God calls us to. He doesn't call us to complacency. God calls us to continually become more like him and to continue to do the work of reaching the lost for Christ. And then he also, he talked about in Genesis chapter 12 about how God called Abraham out from where he was to go to another place. And this morning I want to just remind you of, of that thought of where is God calling you to go from right now to go to somewhere else? What is God calling you to go from so that you can go to something else? Because again, God doesn't call us to always do the same thing our whole life. He calls us in different seasons of life. Maybe God is trying to get your attention today and say, you know what? That season of your life is over. I'm calling you to something new. And that can be scary. It can feel like, I don't know where I'm going. Right? Abraham didn't know where he was going. God just said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the land that you've always known. And I want you to go and follow me to the place that I'm calling you to go. And sometimes that's challenging, but it also means that we need to be obedient. The one thing he said that I loved, he said, understanding can wait, but obedience can't. Understanding can wait. We don't always know why. But when God calls to do something, we need to respond in obedience immediately. So this morning we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about truth and love as we come into Valentine's Day week. Right? Valentine's Day is this Friday. And I'm not talking about truth and love in, in like a relationship of between a spouses and, and that way. But talking about truth and love and what is, who is the example of truth and love? And where do we learn about truth and love in Scripture? God calls us all to walk in truth and love. So today we're going to be in a little tiny book towards the end of the New Testament called 2 John. So if you have your Bibles, or you're going to look it up on your phone, you can turn all the way almost to the very end of your Bible before you get to the book of Revelation and a few other little books. There's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're going to be in 2nd John this morning. It's only 13 verses long, so there's not even any chapters. It's just 13 verses. The Apostle John wrote these short letters in order to encourage the people of the early church. And I think just as they're an encouragement to the early church, I think today they can be an encouragement to us when it comes to learning how to walk in truth and love as believers of Christ. So we're going to dive right in and look at the first three verses this morning. Second John, starting verse 1, it says, The elders of the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, 
and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and in love. We're going to stop there for a moment. If you look at uh, some of the other writings in Scripture and the New Testament, some of the letters and epistles, you'll see this is a pretty traditional greeting that John gives here at the start of this letter. It's very normal for that culture for that time. But notice right away that John, what does he identify himself as? He calls himself the elder, right? Or some translations have a little bit, but he refers to himself as an elder, which I kind of find somewhat humorous when we think about John. If you, if you look at John's life, do you guys remember what John, how he referred to himself in the Gospel of John? He referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved most. Right? So this is the guy we're talking about. He goes, Jesus loves me more than the rest of all the disciples. That, that's, that's how he was when he was younger. And then even in John chapter 20, John makes the point to say that he ran faster than anybody else did to the empty tomb after they heard about Jesus. Right? So it's a guy that, he, he has kind of an ego in those kind of things. He wanted people to know that I was faster than Peter. That I beat Peter to the tomb. And I was a Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved the most. But here in, John, in, in 2 John, decades later in his life, he identifies himself with a title of respect as the elder. Right? I know we've all heard this probably. People will say, hey, we need you to respect your elders. Right? Respect those who have gone before you, who have laid the foundation. Listen to your elders. This is like that. It's a term of respect. It's not him saying, I'm just some old man. It's him saying that, you know what? I've learned a lot, and God has done a lot in my life. And I have something to share with you today. The next part's intriguing. We read it. It says that, the letter is written to the elect lady and her children. Right? Sometimes we read something like that and we go, I don't really understand it, and we just keep going. Right? How many of us have been guilty of that? Sometimes in Scripture, we don't understand it, so we just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep reading on, and if I figure it out, I do. If I don't, I don't. So it led me to do some research on this thought of, who is the elect lady, and what does this mean when it says this? And actually, when you look at all the different scholars and you try to look at different verses, people actually are not 100% certain who exactly John is referring to. But more than likely, they're saying he's referring to a church that he was a part of. That John was writing a letter back to a church that he had previously been a part of. When he refers to her as the elect lady, it's a church that he was a part of, and her children are those who are part of that church, the congregation of that church, the community that that church was a part of. So it's quite possible that in this period, right, this is the late first century, the early church has faced a lot of persecution, that part of the reason why John may have referred to it this way was because it was kind of safe for him to do it. In case the Romans got a hold of this, they wouldn't know who was considered the elect lady and her children. So in some ways, it was kind of like he was covering himself that if this got into the wrong hands, neither he nor the church that he was writing this to would be persecuted by the Romans. So as I said, there's, there's kind of a little bit of maybe uncertainty exactly what it means, but more than likely, it looks like he's referring to the church. And John identifies the people 
as recipients. He says, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Right? Because as believers, we're called to love all those who are a part of the family and all those who have yet come into the family of Christ. But John uses the truth three times in these first two verses. Do you suppose there's some significance there? Yeah. Truth is an important theme throughout John's writings and all of the New Testament. When you look at all the different writings he did, he talks about truth quite often. And then he says it again in verse, chapter, verse 3. It says, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Truth and love. Right? That's what we're talking about today. That's what our whole focus is on is what is truth and love and who is the example for us to follow when it comes to this idea of truth and love? As we continue reading on, verse 4 says this, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we're commanded by the Father. Again, this is another verse we can read it. We're kind of like, what, what is he saying here when it says that some of the children are walking in truth? Is this, is this trying to, to put down those who weren't walking in truth? And I want to say this morning that no, I don't believe that's what he was meaning when he said that in this verse. John sounds more positive than that. He said that I rejoice greatly when he saw children who were walking in the truth. Maybe he was out somewhere and he saw some kids and they were living a life that represented Jesus. They were living out their faith in a way that Jesus could see it. And he was, John was impressed by that. And when John describes in that way, he says that they were walking in truth. They were walking in Christ in the way they were living their life. So that's important because it, it clues us in on what John means when he talks about truth. By the way, this is the fifth time already in four verses we've heard the word truth from John. So if we take this text and we look at the other letters from John that he wrote... When we take the Gospel of John and we spread it all out, it becomes very clear to us that to John, truth was not just the facts. Right? They weren't just things that were objective. They weren't just things such as me making a statement that today is Sunday. Yes, that is true. I'm not wearing any glasses. Yes, that is true. The square root of 144 is 12. Yes, that's true. Those are all facts that are, are simple and kind of right on the surface and easy for us to figure out. That's not the kind of truth that John is talking about here in this passage. He's not talking about surface level truth or objective truth. Listen to the way John says it in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus shares that in the Gospel of John. For John, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Amen. Jesus is the truth, just like he should be for us. That means that walking in truth means that we walk in a way that honors God, that points people towards God and who he is. I want to share a quote from, from a, a popular New Testament scholar in our world today. He lives over in England. His name is N.T. Wright, and he says this about this idea of Jesus being the truth. Truth for John is something that goes deep and spreads out wide. It is what happens when humans, redeemed in the Messiah and renewed by the Spirit, think, speak, and act in a way which corresponds to God's plan to renew all of 
creation. So when John says walking in truth, he's talking about people who follow Jesus by the way they live their lives. Not by people simply saying, I'm a believer, I believe in Jesus. But does your life actually represent that? Does the fruit of your life show that you live for Jesus? Jesus is the foundation for the way we think, speak, and act. I repeat that. Jesus is the foundation for the way we think, speak, and act. So many believe that in 2 John it was written to the congregation near Ephesus somewhere. And Paul, in his, in his, later, in his letter to the Ephesians, says the same thing. In Ephesians chapter 6, or it has six chapters in it, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is talking all about the truth of what God has done for us and through Christ. Then in chapters 4 through 6 of the book of Ephesians, it's all about how we respond in our lives. So we're introduced to the truth of who God is and what he did through Christ for us. And then in verses, chapters 4 through 6, how do we respond? What should our life look like now that we know the truth of who Jesus is? Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've been called to be sons and daughters of the living God. So it says here that we should live in a manner that is worthy of that title. Of being called sons and daughters of the living God. We are called to walk in a deep and wide truth that is Jesus. Right? Not something that, that's, that's an inch deep and a mile wide. But something that's a mile deep and a mile wide. That's deep and wide and has breadth to it. So what does that mean to walk in the deep and wide truth that is in, that's in Jesus? If we continue reading in 2 John Verse 5, it says this, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is a commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Sean made mention of this last week, right? What are the two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, in strength and to love one another. That's what God has called us to do. Walking in the deep and wide truth that is Jesus looks like love. John says that it's not a new commandment from him, right? This was from Jesus. He laid this out in the Gospels. And let's jump back to John's Gospel again where it says this in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are all you are to also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, it tells us there what it will, what we're called. We're called to be disciples, and we're known as disciples if we have love for one another. We're to love like Jesus loves us. We're identified as his disciples by our love for one another. Walking in the deep and wide truth that is Jesus looks like love. I want you to take a moment to consider your own life. Are you walking in the truth that is Jesus? This is a question where we have to reflect and say, am I walking in a way that my life reflects 
Jesus. Is he the foundation of how you think, speak, and act? Is Jesus the foundation of how you think, speak, and act? Another question to reflect upon is, is your life filled with love? If you walk in, in Christ, it should be evident by your life being filled with love. John starts with truth and then he turns to love as, as he gets into the second part of 2 John. This is where he goes next, starting in verse 7. For many deceivers have gone on into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. Right, so full disclosure, we read this little passage, and this can be a little bit confusing at first again. I'm going, what exactly is John trying to tell us here? What can we learn from, from these four verses here? It's clear that this was written in a time where there were people who were teaching false truth. Right? False prophets, false teachers, people that were teaching false language, false religion in the name of Jesus. They were spreading lies about Jesus and they were deceiving people. I have a question. Does that sound similar to today? One of the interesting things about the world that we live in is that we can listen to sermons online and all kinds of teachings online today. We live in, a, in an electronic mobile world that's connected all the time. So as I prepared today, I, I did a little search on the internet just to see what I could find. And there are a lot of preachers out there who use this text of 2 John to tell their churches that our culture is going to hell in a handbasket and that we need to take a stand for our morality. And you know what? I mean, maybe there's somewhere you can get that out of this passage. Because there are a lot of things in our culture today that are messed up. But hear me out. To read this passage and to boil it down to simply we have to take a stand against the cultural issues or that particular cultural issue is making the truth so much smaller than it is. We're minimizing the truth of what God is trying to teach us here in the scripture. That it's not simply about a cultural thing. It's not about a warning of if we don't get it right, our world is doomed. It's about the truth and love that comes through Jesus Christ and his life, his teachings, and the way he leads us now through the Holy Spirit. This letter from John is not focused simply on morality. It's focused on truth. And remember, he's not talking again about this surface level truth. He's talking about this deep, why truth? It's deeper and wider. The truth is who? The truth is found in Jesus. He is truth. I think what John is saying here is that anything that seeks to replace Jesus as deep truth in our life needs to be rejected. That's right. If there's something else in our life that we're looking to and we're saying, that's truth, that leads me, that, that changes the way I think, act, 
and say things. We need to reject that if it's not of Jesus and his word. So when our culture tells us that our value is in popularity or money or followers on social media and all those kind of things that the world tries to tell us today, we need to learn how to reject those things. Amen. That's not true. So I want to ask you again this morning, are you walking in the truth that is Jesus Christ? Is he the foundation of your life, or has something else become the foundation in your life? Does your life look like the kind of life that he has taught you to live according to his word and what scripture tells us? Again, is your life filled with love? In a world filled with so many things that offer us different forms of truth, loving one another is how we give evidence to the truth that is Jesus Christ says that we will be known by our love for one another. That is the evidence of a life committed and surrendered to Jesus Christ. Not surface level truth, not objective truth, talking about something so much deeper and wider than that. The truth that is found in Jesus. If I can get the worship team to come back up at this point. Jesus is inviting us to follow him this morning. We're invited to walk into the deep and wide truth that can be found through Jesus. So this morning, I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and saying, you know what? I've never made a decision to give my life to Christ. I've never chosen to live in the truth that's found through relationship with Jesus. And you want to do that this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment. Perhaps you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, I once had a relationship with Jesus, but I pushed it aside because other things took the place of the truth that I found in Jesus, and I allowed myself to fall into other types and forms of truth. And this morning you say, you know what, I want to recommit, and I want to surrender and say, God, you are the truth, and I give my life to you. And you're ready to commit to that relationship with him again today. The invitation is open to you as well. But for all of us this morning, I want to leave us with this thought before we have an invitation for salvation. Walking in the deep and wide truth that is Jesus looks like love. So again, what does your life look like? What is the fruit of your life? Is it truth from Jesus and the love that comes out of that relationship with or is it something else and you're saying, you know what? I'm ready to walk into that truth. And I'm ready to learn how to love one another. So this morning with no one looking around, every eye, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give that opportunity this morning to say, you know what? Maybe I'm ready to walk into that relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to, to really find out what this truth and this love of Christ is really all about. Or you're ready to recommit yourself. You're saying, you know what, I, I've strayed away from that relationship this morning. I want to recommit myself to him. Again, with nobody looking around, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I simply want you to put your hand up in the air if that's you this morning. You're making that decision and saying that this morning. Awesome. Praise the Lord. If you made that decision this morning or you've ever made that decision before, I want to ask you to repeat after me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to be truthful and love and the way. Father, I commit myself to you from this day forward that I may walk in truth and it may be evident by the love that I have for others. In Jesus' name, amen.